Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 25. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at podnuts.com slash ctg. And now this show is about Outlook and Office 365. So if you're an aspiring Office 365 technician or veteran, and just like listening to stories, I welcome everyone. Just an FYI, we do talk a lot about exchange migrations. And in time here, as I do more shows, we will touch upon other Office 365 products too. The reason why I focus more on migrations is because this is the core reason why people are moving to Office 365. But this week, we have a guest with us named Carrie Holzman. Welcome, Carrie. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Carrie and I have talked about doing a show together for a long time because Carrie mostly does hardware and gaming mm-hmm. computers and building, and he does awesome YouTube videos. And we'll have all the information to go find Carrie, which I'm sure you already know who he is because he's so famous and all. But <laughs> anyway, Carrie wants to talk about Office 365 because tell us why, Carrie. Because I only know uh, just kind of the surface information about it. I don't know anything beneath yeah. that. So I have a, a ton of questions that I get asked from customers and because I've never used it, um, well, you'll be the, the, yeah. the source it's, for me being able to answer those questions. It's hard to know unless you work in it as much as I do. And trust me, I don't even understand the, the, the bigger scope. There's a, there's a scope above me and scopes above that person that I don't get. We're talking enterprise level. So what we're knocking it down to today is the break fix, the techs out there who are getting the questions. Carrie's hopefully going to ask me a ton of these things. Uh, so we can just help everybody understand it from the, our level. But before we talk about the Office 365, uh, Carrie and I are both going to be attending the CompTIA conference in Chicago on August 2nd through the 5th. Carrie, I got to tell you. I was happy to hear you're coming. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to say that I'm I'm going to be there. It's uh, been because of the generosity of a few people, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not looking forward to being in Chicago in August, but Chicago. Um, nice. well, like it was fun for me to be in Phoenix last yeah, August. Right. I mean, that was a dying hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing's going to be that bad, but I mean, pretty much, uh, it's the dog days of summer. I I think CompTIA really. Uh, shouldn't be doing these events uh, in, in, in the in the in the July and August. Just shouldn't be an event planning you know time. They, they really should do it is in the winter season in the southern states. You know because yeah, well, sure. January nice. in Florida is gorgeous. Yeah, I was just there. I loved yeah. every day of it. I have a tan still. On the other anyway. hand, there's times in Florida where it's all mosquitoes, and yeah. you, it's the last place you want to be. Oh, so, I came back with a bunch of bites. I, I can't sure. think of any place that'd be good in August in the United States anyway. But, but no. yeah. Well, at least Chicago. I'm used to the Midwest. The weather's not too horribly hot usually. And I'm plus, guessing, we're going to be in a hotel. I'm guessing the hotel rates are much cheaper for renting the conference rooms because nobody wants to do it. In the, and that's probably why CompTIA's picked that time. Maybe. I, I know that last year, uh, I've talked about this on the last show, that the resort was huge. So the the, the spread of the conference was very wide. I think with the hotel this year, it's going to be very centralized. 
Uh, I think they have 20 meeting rooms. So, I mean, it's, it's a, big a big hotel. hotel yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So just to let folks know, I did rent a meetup room. We are having a technical and comp TA, um, excuse me, a technical and podcasters meetup. Carrie did a video just kind of announcing that he's going to be there and we're not promising a recording of any sort, but there might be a recording, but don't, you know, if you want to come meet us, come to the conference, right? That's what we're saying. Well, again, you don't even have to go to the conference. If you just want to come to the meetup, you don't need a ticket to the conference exactly. to do that. You don't need a hotel room if you're in or around the Chicago area or you can drive in and, you know, if it's a reasonable yeah. drive for you. Come on in. We'd love to see you. And, um, you know, it won't just cost you that up. much. However, just sign up on my page so I can so I can get your name down. However, I will say that the, uh, the conference itself does hold... Uh, a, a lot of valuable information for those that are technicians, wanting to be technicians, have their own business, or looking to expand their business or expand their knowledge, and uh, they can get those tickets free. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like two hundred and fifty dollars tickets, so it'd be a shame to come that you know to be out there and, and meet with us and then not do the conference exactly. personally. Well, I know that for those that want to invest a little educational budget of their IT fundage, uh, a lot of us are coming in on Saturday. And then Sunday, just, you know, fooling around probably, but uh, Sunday night is our official meetup. Then Corey Fruitman's having uh, something with a jetpack, a zombie escape the room. And then Monday starts the conference, and there is back-to-back stuff all day. So I'm doing an exhibit table, and so I've got that three days I have to deal with, and just lots of stuff going on. And plus Tuesday night, they're sending everybody to Wrigley Field for a baseball thing. and Yeah. And plus, there's just tons of food, tons of entertainment. I mean, not entertainment. We're entertaining, I guess. But um, I really had a good time last year. And so this year, I said, I'm doing it up. Exhibit table, the whole thing. And getting away. And I'm not going to book appointments, Carrie. I'm taking time off. Can you believe it? That's the one thing people, (laughs) I I don't think, really grasp when you're self-employed is that you don't clock in and you don't clock out. When you become self-employed, you clock in. And then when you go out of business, you clock out. Exactly. I dream about it work is, every night almost somehow. Yeah. Well, I don't know if those yeah. are dreams or nightmares, but the, <laughs> it is It is something that I've always described it as like a train. It's very yeah. hard to get that train moving, and then it's very hard to stop that train. I've been working very, very hard to slow my business down so I can spend more time on the videos. And um, it, I've been pretty successful in doing that by simply targeting the snowbirds that come into Arizona during the yeah. wintertime is the prim- primary business. Hey, man, that's and your bread and butter. That's right. Snowbirds. But then when summer comes around, business just dies. Yeah. And, and I'm actually grateful for that at this point in my career because now I can spend that time, the summertime, doing the videos and yeah. then the wintertime doing the work. And we'll see how that works. But uh, with both things in motion, it's it's practically impossible for me to stop either one. Yeah. Well, you know, in the winter when or in the summer when things slow down for you, you can do sales for me. For my office 365 with the people from the snowbird season. See, I got work for you, Carrie. <laughs> Always rotating work here. Call that girl. Well, if there's if there's money to be made, I'm listening. That's right. Yeah, well, I don't know how else a business is supposed to grow at my size. That's a whole nother show. But uh, Well, that's what uh, you go to CompTIA to learn more about, exactly. though, to be honest. But, you know, I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to ask you about Office 365 okay. because I don't know anybody else who knows it as much as, as you do. And my understanding is Office 365 is is cloud-based. Yes. Okay, so what happens, you know, let's just cut to the basics. You've got Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, I'd imagine, all in the cloud, but you don't always, uh, you're not always connected to the cloud. So maybe you're a businessman, you're traveling. Many of my clients, you know, they're the owners of the companies do a lot of traveling. 
Sure. Is there an offline version that's put on the laptop as well as using? I mean, how, how do these things integrate? Well, last week, Mike and I talked about this, and I'll just reconfirm it, that the word Office 365 equals subscription model. Let's start with that. Okay. Okay. So we all so, know that yeah. means you stop paying the money. You, you don't have the software anymore. You don't own it. You are licensing and subscribing to their yearly subscription. And before we jump into the desktop applications part of it, I, I, I have to tell my clients all this stuff in eight minutes. That's how fast I land a sale. So I'll try to be a little easier on you guys. Office 365 home version is $69 for one computer. You're paying for a subscription to use Office, Word, sorry, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook. Then you get uh, OneDrive as a little one terabyte sharing option. Now you say it's for one computer, but what if That's, that one computer well, has multiple users? Uh, and that doesn't matter. Okay. One computer, $69. Office 365 home. Remember, it's subscription, always with the word Office 365. Now, if you want to have more than one computer, then you have to upgrade to the $99. And this is just for software only. Remember, $99 for five computers or tablets or whatever. A lot of technicians are using the word Office 365 also with business. And to clarify that is nothing for business is $99. Okay. So that's when you're asking your clients, like um, they say, well, I have Office 365. I, I try to part the, the waters right away by saying, did you pay $99 for it? And if they say yes, I know I'm dealing with someone who bought the home version. So that's a good way to cut that out. Now, then there's the business platform and there's a lot of different versions and it can get very confusing. They sell five different versions, I think. So, right there, well, they Carrie. always have. They always have with Office. <laughs> you've always had your your home and student, you know, teacher mm -hmm. student and teacher edition. Then you yep. had your home version, your pro version, uh, the standard version. That's four. Well, they've changed it up. There are so many versions now that here's what I sell. So when someone calls in as a technician, I cut out the ninety nine dollar one right away because if they want the business products, there's six of them. There's the Exchange Online, which is the most popular. Then there's um, SharePoint, which is not popular with small businesses. Then there's OneDrive that's popular with small businesses, but people aren't happy with it. Then there's the uh, OneNote, Yammer, and the Office 2013 that comes with it, which is pretty much Office 365 Home attached to it. So it can get real confusing real fast. When you when you buy Office 365, uh, I'm assuming that comes with uh, Outlook. Yes, it does come with it. Uh, the old versions used to not have Outlook, but they've included that now. But it's not including email. In other words, you have to BYOM, bring your own mail. Well, that's when they want you to buy Exchange, which is one of the six products of Office 365 for business. When you buy Exchange, is Exchange in the cloud, or is it where we're talking at the traditional installer on your server? Nope, that's all in the cloud. So, so you don't need a server anymore? Nope, I take people off servers quite frequently, yep. Would there be so, an advantage to going with the, the renting the Exchange versus just using, I don't know, Gmail? Uh, the advantage is that Outlook really loves Exchange, and Outlook does not love Gmail. So... I tell people, if you want to go with what works, use Exchange. I don't do Google Apps support anymore. Uh, outbound. <laughs> Inbound, if you're moving to Exchange, I'll help you, or if I'm fixing it, but I don't 
Well, I don't here's, recommend here's Google Apps. Here's why I ask. I've got a number of clients using Google Apps for their yeah. mail now, and they're very happy with it. And okay. uh, I've got another client who's using uh, a cloud-based email service, Aptix, okay. and they're paying $20 per user per month Wow! for each mailbox, which also includes wow. some spam filtering. Yeah, and, that, that's uh, why it's more expensive, probably. Well, how does that compare with running your own exchange server? I mean, are, do you have to do your own maintenance, or is Microsoft doing all that? Microsoft does everything if you do the Exchange Online, which I also want to tell people, Exchange Online is also called business class email, and some people call it hosted exchange, which is the old terminology for it, but it's all cloud-based, and the Exchange Online offers a really nice spam filter, but for an extra few bucks, you can get a better spam filter, yeah. So your Aptix people are paying for probably the better spam filter included in that. So basically, Microsoft's trying to turn itself into Costco. You need to pay yeah. money to shop here. <laughs> and then when you don't pay your money, you can't shop here anymore. You can't use the products. Well, you're you renting the products. It's like video rental if I'm going to be dating myself. But you're, you're or a library. You're going and you're, you're, you're paying a fee. And that fee entitles you to borrow things during the, the time period that your fee encompasses. And then after which, because uh, we're not talking about physical items. We're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. data. That the programs simply don't work after that if you don't renew your license. No, oh, happened to me yesterday. A client said my word won't open, and I logged in and I went to. Uh, they had Outlook open, and I looked and I looked under the account settings and it said your Office uh, two thousand something Pro, which I was another one of the old Office three sixty five versions, has expired. And I said you need to tell your IT person to remove this version and put on the new one. Because they upgraded in the last year, because I could see that in the control panel. So, yeah, it it expires and you can't use it. So here's the thing, Carrie, that you were saying earlier is, is it all cloud-based? Yes and no, because the Office 365 for Business gives you the desktop applications, so you can download them, but everything you do is still in the cloud, but you can save your Excel files locally, save your PowerPoints, your Outlook could be on the computer if you are using POP, you know, or PST file, but Exchange puts you in the cloud, of course. And if you use OneDrive to only store your fold, you know, your files, then that is cloud-based. But we don't, we don't recommend that. So, what do your clients do? And they're running their email and their office through Office 365, and they're going on a trip, and they're going to be at the airport, and they're going to be on the plane. They want to go through some emails. Mm -hmm. They don't have any internet access. Mm -hmm. Well, Exchange has an offline sync tool, so everything is on their computer still. They can still write a bunch of emails, and when they get to the internet, they send out. Is that regardless of the version, or is that only with the uh, um, Pro version? And any Outlook will do that that's, that has Exchange set up for the email platform. So let's say you're on the plane and you're writing up a bunch of emails, and the minute you get to you, you know, the minute you hit internet, they all will send out. So it sounds a lot like if you set up Outlook with. Uh, Gmail, you'd be setting it up with IMAP, and then it would synchronize everything to the computer, and then you could take the computer, disconnect from the grid, answer those emails. They all just sort of sit in a, in a waiting queue, and then when you're connected to the internet again, it resynchronizes and, and updates what Pretty you've much. deleted and what you've sent. Except that um, the Google Apps sync tool you'd have to have to get the calendar and the contacts. And if you just have Gmail with just IMAP, then it won't sync your calendar and contacts. Okay, good good to point yeah. that out, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of my clients, 
uh, actually are using a Google app server for just email and they're not using the sync tool, which always seems to break with Outlook. So that's when I tell people, come on over to the good side. Well, one, okay, well, let's talk about the cost of the good side. Let's say you've got okay. a small business with five employees and they're using uh, Gmail now and okay. they're using Office 2003 mm-hmm. and you need to get them on, you know, um, you say you're, you're advising them. Okay, and let's well, say they've got Windows 7 now and they're having some difficulty with reopening attachments that were saved in newer versions of Office using the, the extra X on the extension. And uh, now they're unable to open some cer- certain documents that are being sent. Um, what, what, is the, what is the approximate cost to get them a five-user Office 365 with their own exchange or if you would even recommend that um, with a spam filter you know, just uh, soup to nuts. What what would that okay. cost? Now, not not talking about your time and labor. Just yeah. What would you be paying to Microsoft? Well, so here's what I tell clients that have five users and they're on X or sorry, they're on Windows Seven. They all have uh, Office 2003. They all need to upgrade, mm-hmm. and they all want Exchange because they were on old Pop. Let's say. Okay. Um, with my vendor, I use AppRiver. I talk about them every show. Uh, it's four dollars and ninety five cents for just Exchange. I believe it's fourteen ninety five for the full uh, Office three sixty five business premium. Are, are, we, are we talking about per user per month? Per user per month. Yep. Okay. So if they, you know, they're going to need to upgrade their software. So the fourteen dollars and ninety five cents gives them the full Office three sixty five business premium experience. They get email exchange. They get all the new software. They get the SharePoint. They get the OneDrive. They get the OneNote. I'm missing something else. Yammer. And, um, you know, so that, that's the full experience. So you're looking at for five users, $75 a month, a month. Yep. And then, and then how do you pay? Do you pay monthly, quarterly, yearly? They could pay monthly or you could pay yearly. Uh, App River has a lot of different variables. And also if someone, you know, wanted to go through other places, whatever, they do give you a 30 day trial, but almost I've never seen anybody get off it because how many, how many, how many times have you had customers call where things didn't work? Because they didn't pay the bill because they selected mm-hmm. monthly and every month there's another problem. Credit <laughs> they, card didn't they go call. through. The they credit call card was stolen uh, a week after they paid it and they had that card shut down. Another card was issued to them. They forgot to update Microsoft, their account information. And so when billing time came, they didn't think about it. Maybe they got a notice. Your card's going to be charged. I assume they get some kind of reminder. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, then it, they, then suddenly it doesn't happen. It doesn't work anymore. It, this does not sound like a good solution to me as, it, you know, maybe it's because Almost. of my experience, but I like being able to just throw some software on yeah. a computer and now we just have to maintain the computer. Well, a lot of my clients pay yearly, so it's taken care of. The clients that pay monthly, like I pay monthly actually, but I have it off my credit card that's paid automatically. So it's an auto pay. I don't it's have an to auto pay in. as long as you haven't reached your credit limit. It's an auto pay as long yeah. as your credit card hasn't expired yeah. and you forgot about it. It's an auto pay as long as you haven't had to shut that card down be- or some other company because you used it at Target or you used it at TJ Maxx or you used it at some other place where they inf- uh, said, oh, your card's been compromised Declined. or p- potentially compromised. Well, hey, Carrie, what shut happened it down to me? For you on your behalf without any, <laughs> without you even well. having any say in the fact and now... Things that you've set on automatic payments, whatever it is, because if you're somebody who does automatic payments, you probably do more than just one. Yeah, I do all my bills on auto pay, but that here's means you what have to, to change every bill that uses that card, and then you've got to remember which bill goes to which card. That seems like a lot of administrative work. 
But what's the alternative? The alternative is what we've already been doing, which is you install the software and you just oh, you're you done pay with for it. it. And it doesn't well, expire. Carrie, you can, but now here's the other choice though. If a client says to me, well, Lisa, $14.95 is a lot. How can we get that down? So the other choice is this. You pay the 200 and I think it's $13 for a one user license of Office 2013. Okay. 213 times five is 1200 some bucks, right? So that's a one-off cost. You pay for that. You own it for life. Now, a lot of people like your client here is using 2003 and 2015. So they got 13 years out of that sucker. Mm -hmm. So, so it's valuable for them. Mm -hmm. So why pay a subscription model? Got it. But the $4.95 a month that AppRiver charges is a monthly or yearly fee because you're paying for a subscription. Unless you want to have an exchange server set up in your office with a hardware tech and a maintenance agreement and all the other things that you have to pay for for five people, that can get really expensive too. Well, no, but you could just go with a host exchange provider for that. Well, that's, or you can use Gmail for $50. Same. $50 per year. Okay, you're still paying user. Gmail $50 though. And what if you don't pay the bill? So what's the diff? <laughs> You're paying somebody a yearly fee, <laughs> right? Yeah, but not nearly as much. At, well, at, okay, at $15 so per month per user compared Google, to... This isn't the Gmail show. No, I know it isn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... Here's what I'm doing. and I, okay. So if I'm going to approach Gmail, my customer... Right? No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, in all fairness, okay. if I'm going to approach my customer with a new idea... They're going to hit me with the what they already know and compare it to what they already know. That's all I'm doing. I'm I'm anticipating. I'm saying what you're saying. True. And the customer is responding in the way that I'm responding That's in the true. sense that they 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 want to know how am I not ripping them off? How how does this sound like I'm doing you a favor by switching you off of <laughs> Google Apps and putting you into Microsoft? First of all, when so Jerry. many people have such a bad taste of Microsoft. I never put anybody out of one thing if it's working fine. That's okay. the first rule of thumb with being a good tech. I agree. I never don't fix it I, if it ain't broke. If it ain't broke, I'm not going to sell someone a $600 exchange migration package just to get them away from Google. Wouldn't you sell fine. it to them if it meant they could save a significant amount of money even no. if it was working? Nope, nope, nope. nope. Really? Nope. Here's what I do is people call me because they're in a problem state. They're having a problem with Gmail. It's not working for them. They don't like something about most of it is because they're Outlook people and Outlook and Gmail are titans. They don't like each other. So my clients call me. That's right. And I only move them to an exchange environment if it's for the betterment of their team and their individual mobile needs and their devices and their work. I would never sell someone to move off just to save them a few dollars because I charge $600 for two people. You know, I mean, I charge a lot. So. I would never do that. But if someone says, look, I just don't like Gmail. Well, I say, well, then think about it. Here's your quote, $4.95. It's going to cost you $600 to migrate. Yeah, think about it. In the long run, you're on a better server. I, I sell the benefits of exchange, you know. Um, Outlook loves iPhone. Gmail loves Android. That's how I tell people. So a lot of my Android users, they have a hard time getting over to Outlook. You know, that they're not happy with it. So it, it comes down to the two uh, platforms, basically. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there, to, if a client is just not happy, try to figure out the platform that's going to make them happy. But it, never try to sell them something. That so, they right, so right now you're saying Office 365 is an inappropriate fit for everybody. You know, this is, uh, 
this is another option mm-hmm. as a technician to uh, be aware of and to yep. recommend accordingly. Yep. Or as you're saying, and I'm a little frightened, honestly, a little, <laughs> a little put off that you say you can make a living from people who already have Office 365 and have problems with it. And you come in and fix those problems. That's, that's frightening to me. Well, Carrie, here's an example of why someone would call me. Remember, I do national marketing for Office 365. So let's pretend a a technician does their migration for them. And this happens all the time. They're like, well, our calendar isn't sharing. Our contacts aren't sharing. And this doesn't work. And we have all this stuff wrong. And we just downloaded it all from Gmail. The tech did an okay job, but we still need help. That's called aftercare. The technician might be a Gmail tech. See, they don't know all the fine tuning of Outlook and they don't know all the benefits of Office 365. So then they hire me and I come in and do the extra work. There's a lot to Outlook in the exchange environment that a lot of technicians might not know, like all the little bells and whistles of it. So that's when I step in. It's called aftercare. Okay. Yeah. And people are, they usually have one big problem and then I say, tell me everything. And then they have a list. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, I can charge you 89 bucks to fix that. But since I'm in there, let's do all. So it turns out to be a couple hours of work sometimes. You know, there's a slight, slight topic change here. Um, there's been a lot of, of uh, remote support places that are scam artists being shut down and focused on by the, the FTC. And, you know, as a technician, it's hard enough mm. that people have been burned by because being a technician is a self-proclaimed position. If you want to be a computer technician, you just say you are one. Now you're just as qualified as everybody else as far as the law is concerned. Exactly. So one of the difficult things I have is convincing people I'm not like that kid, generally it's a kid, who uh, got in over his head and took your money and abandoned you or overcharged you and took too long and then didn't see it through. And there's no way for them to really not know that I'm not a really good salesman other than to just utilize my service or to get a referral. Now in the remote space, it's even worse. I had sent you a script that was being used by a company in Portland, Oregon to bilk millions of dollars out of people. Mostly it's older people, residential people, uh, yeah. not businesses. And I'm wondering, has that had any impact on your businesses? Have, have you ever felt like somebody was just I don't know, testing you like they weren't really a client. No. It's just somebody <laughs> laying out some bait to see if you'd take it. Have you encountered any sort of uh, hesitation from clients, not based on your prices, not based on anything other than we're not face to face. I've never met you. I don't know who you are. You know, Carrie, I think the biggest problem I have is that people have been burned already with a bad migration or a bad company. And I'm not going to name those companies, but if you think of the top three outside of App River, those are probably what I'm going to be talking about here. What happens is those people call for help, right? Mm-hmm. Like my IMAP is not working. Well, let's just move you to Office 365. Right. It's easy. And then right. they go, look, we're even going to give you some of your money back. And we're going to give you a half off this year. So these people get all excited. And I'm talking about some of my own clients have done this. And then next thing you know, they're, they're wrapped into a three-year contract. And, and it's not working. And they did the partial migration, but none of the aftercare. And my clients are like mad. And I'm like, why did you just do this without calling me? I'm your tech. You right. Know? <laughs> oh, I get that. I get, so, can yeah, you hook this they, printer up? Why didn't you yeah. call me and ask me about that before you bought it? Exactly. Yeah. 
But see, th the thing is, it's kind of like the opposite. You've got the scammers out calling people. My clients are calling the big companies. Then they get scammed. It's like backwards. And I know I'm not the only tech out there that's um, getting scammed from the big companies out of work. And and I, to me, it kind of hurts because I'm like, look, I just lost 600 bucks. $600 is a nice sale number for me. You know, it's a few hours of work. I do all the work. I do it well. And here these, you know, rodeo cowboys over there are, you know, doing a bad job and taking two or three days to do it too. I do it in like two or three hours. Right. So because the money talks and, and, and that's where I tell people, look, the value of me doing it is you're getting expert level. So I've had some clients call and say, why should I hire you over this? And I go, well, you want it done. Right. <laughs> I'll do it right. Yeah, but how do but, they know, apart from what you just said, why wouldn't the person that's the scammer or the, the skimmer, why wouldn't he just use those same words? I mean, we all have tongues and vocal cords. We yeah. can emulate those words just as well. What makes yours more believable to to throw trust in? This is a, this is a battle I have had since day one in this business. Yeah. And, and the only answer I have for it is simply referrals. And I don't have referrals, Carrie. Um, as you know, I do a lot of Google work. And so I don't do outbound calls at all. People call me when they search Outlook Expert mm -hmm. in their town or Outlook Expert, and they're looking for help because they're in dire need. To me, it's kind of like I can assume if they're Googling expert, they want expert level. So when I get them on a call and I say, all right, Tell me what's going on. I'm a real person. I empathy, you know, I have empathy for him. I'm like, oh yeah, fix that. Been there. I've seen that. You, you have, you don't have it as worse as this other client. You know, I'm a real person. I book a call in like five to 10 minutes, let's say, and then I get in and see their system. Now in eight, to, in five to 10 minutes, I've earned trust enough to remote in and get their credit card. Can you say that about a lot of other businesses? <laughs> Well, five yeah, a lot minutes. of the scam artists, they'll have it that's in five right. minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're calling me. That's the difference. And, you know, I put out in my marketing that I'm Lisa. I'm a real person. I put my testimonials out there. So it kind of helps, you know. All right. Well, it's, it's interesting, though, know, just for my own sake. Yeah. Like I said, I, I've struggled and struggled and struggled with it. And when I try to, uh, when I answer that question, why yeah. you, you can trust me and not have to worry about it, then I'm egotistical and narcissistic. Oh. So it's like, I don't know how to win that battle other than to say, um, here's the name and number of, you know, if they got their name, if they got my name from somebody they know, exactly, it's, it's not a problem. It's never a problem. They're, they're often it's, they're, they have a lot of gratitude that they're, that I'm able to help them. But when it's somebody who's been burned, um, and then there's the, the question of, there's a lot of people out there that really like, at least where I'm at, there's a lot of people that like to be self-sustaining. They don't want to put their data out there in the cloud because mm. they don't know how secure it's going to be. And you yeah. can't guarantee it. And well, I don't they, take they, those clients, Carrie. And they, and they, well, I'm talking lawyers. I'm talking doctors. I'm talking things with, mm. you know, HIPAA compliance, FINRA compliance, things where this is a matter not only of their own concern personally, but of one um, responsibly for their their career, their line of work. Yeah. Uh, I have a client that's a dentist. Uh, we've got to be very careful with, uh, you know, for example, on the, I refuse to turn their Wi-Fi on. I said, mm -hmm. I won't do it. They wanted Wi-Fi. I said, I won't turn it on here. <laughs> I said, why? And I said, because it's it's insecure. There's there's no way I can secure this the way your network is set up. When somebody hacks into your Wi-Fi at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night or Saturday night, <laughs> that you're 
all your patient information is going to be gone. You'll never even know what happened. And they're sitting out in the parking lot. Nobody's around. And so they hired somebody else to turn their Wi-Fi on for them. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I absolutely could not believe it. I thought that that would not be a risk worth taking to... And oh, I asked Carrie. him, I said, People I said, have you care. ever had, I said, have you ever had your client data stolen before? And he said, yes. And I said, what happened? He goes, it wasn't good. I said, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing. Uh, did you lose customers over it? He goes, yeah, we did. And they still turned that Wi-Fi on. But yeah, we don't care. People calling me for that already know. And here's the other thing is the marketing that, that, that the clients see, a lot of them, I've talked about this. They're at the big box store. They see Office 365. Let's pick it up for the whole company. Oh, we're going to put all five of us on one version. Mm -hmm. Now, ethically, am I the Microsoft police? No. Right. So I tell them, you do what you want. I'm not going to upsell them to a, a, the bigger package because they're doing it their way. They hired me to do other stuff. And that's the problem that Microsoft needs to fix when they sell this product through big box retailers. So how do you handle that? I just let them do what they want. Okay, so I say, okay, Lisa, I've got this one copy. We're using it on five machines. Mm, I go, blah, 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 close my ears. <laughs> but I don't care but, what they well, do. Okay, but now I'm, I'm paying you to set it up. Is no. it going to work correctly? I don't set it up, though, Carrie. I don't get paid to set that up. I, do, I refuse that work. Well, what if I set it up, but it's not working right because i got two people trying to get in at the same time? Well, repairing it is different than installing and configuring it. But, but uh, what I'm, I'm asking actually, you is, will it work? Okay, if will five one, people install will, will, the same, uh, yeah, it should work. If they so use the same account. I, why would, okay, could they all use it at the same time or would they have to be one person at a time? You know, here's the thing is, if you install the five with the one person's user ID, right? And then you go open up Outlook. Outlook has you create a new profile and the, the Outlook accounts, email, are not attached to the accounts that, are attached with the Office 365. That's just the Microsoft account to install the software. But I'm not encouraging people to do it, but people are doing it. So I can't control what they do. Well, here's the reason why I asked, because yeah. um, if there are problems that result, which I imagine there would be from using thing that was intended for one for five, then you're not really fixing anything. You're just letting people know, uh, you, you know, this is a consequence of... You know, if you go with the cheaper version, the, this is a limitation of that. And if you get the version you're supposed to have, the licensing you're supposed to have, but there is no these limitation, Carrie. So, so let's say, Carrie, you, uh, Carrie Holzman, have four employees and you go install this Office 365 for home at $99 on all five of your employees' computers and yourself. It's going to let me do that? That tied down yet to domain users? To you know, show that you're a business or a home user, they haven't got that far yet, which I'm surprised. But honestly, I don't get a lot of calls for people that are doing it, but they are doing it. They're not asking me to fix it because I, I mean, sometimes I fix it. I don't know what I'm doing because I can't be in all five computers. But I don't honestly go and set that up for people as a job. I so turn that down. Here's a call. Yeah. All right. I've got what you've explained. I've got okay. one license installed on five computers. Yep. And this computer over here. This one thing isn't working that's working on the other four. Yeah. Do you tell me that's because you're using one license for five computers or do you go log into that one computer and fix it? Well, normally. Or can you even fix it? Well, normally what people do is they call in for a trouble ticket that there's a problem on that computer. Usually right. they don't say, they don't even know what the problem is. So I go troubleshoot and go, oh, yeah, you don't have this, you don't have that. Now, if it comes down to where I have to look at the account, 
I have had to go have them log into their store account. That's where they bought it mm-hmm. and they had to register it. And I'll say, Oh, look, you have five licenses. <laughs> and, I, and I tell them, I go, you know, you shouldn't be using that one. And they go, really? I go, no, this is for home. So at that point, I do get my word in and say, you shouldn't be doing this. But, but- you say, but it's not a matter of shouldn't. Is there a question of, the reason you're experiencing these problems, the reason yeah. you have to call me right now is because you're using a screwdriver as a hammer. You did not buy the right tool. Yes. Well, and if I, I fix it for you, I'm fixing a screwdriver, but what you really need is a hammer. Yeah, but you know, Carrie, at the time when you're troubleshooting something, you have to tell the client that if I find them doing something they shouldn't be, I do tell them that. Whether or not they do it is their business. So if I'm off to fix it, I'll say to them, look, you need to go fix this by buying this or do what you want. But this ain't going to work. But I tell you, that's so rare that that happens. It's like every day for me. (laughs) People are always trying to take shortcuts every single time. Yeah, but the shortcuts with the business clients, it's funny because they actually will go buy another five set for $99. I've had a client. I've had a client create a charity as a subsidy of his business. And then buy charity versions of high-end software <laughs> to use in his for-profit business nice. and wants me to install it, configure it, and fix it when it breaks. And now, do you do it? Um, I was doing it for a while, and I finally, I was getting so, I was he had me working so much. I said, well, that's Look, great. That's money. <laughs> no, because he had me on a retainer. Oh, that ain't good. So, I said, I said, this isn't going to work. I said, what you're doing is, and this occurs to me all the yeah. time, people are more than happy for you to give them stuff for free. So if they can, I'll give you an example. Yeah. It's not uncommon for somebody to find a computer laying out by the trash cans. They'll pick it up and they'll say, hey, can you tell me how to make this work? I'm not going to pay you or anything. Can you just do me a favor? I found it out by the trash. Could you help me make it work? People will say to me, "I, I made a deal where I did some work for this guy under the table and he paid me in cash and on old laptop. The old laptop has XP on it. Could you put Windows 7 on it for me? And I'm like, no, no. I mean, 7 would go on it, but it's going to take hours and hours and hours of my time to get that installed. And then to download all the updates, it would cost you more in labor than a brand new laptop with Windows 7 already on it, or Windows 10 for that matter. And uh, not to mention, who knows what the battery life's going to be like. You know, there's a reason why that computer was given away. There's a reason why that computer was thrown in the garbage. And if it's something you want to deal with on your time, knock yourself out. But when you try and drag other people into it, it's, uh, you know what it reminds me of is somebody who's always looking for a cheaper place to live. And every time they move, they call you and ask you to help them move. <laughs> you know, I didn't mind helping you move the first time, but this is getting a little ridiculous, you know, because you want to save money. You want to put me to work, uh, and not yeah. pay me. And to me, I, I have a problem with that because uh, it seems very inconsiderate. It seems rude and disrespectful yeah. to say to somebody, uh, would you work for the next eight hours so that I don't have to spend some of my own money? Well, Carrie, it kind of comes back to this other issue that techs might start getting more calls on is, hey, I have Office 365, and I'm using this as an example, but I'm also using Gmail, and my iCloud calendar isn't syncing. Okay, so right there, oh, and I'll add it, my iCloud calendar isn't syncing off my iPhone. So now we got four technologies. You right. know, people right. want, they want everything free. So when I tell them, well, look, 
Are you a business? That's the first thing I say. They go, yes. I go, right now, you just rattled off four technologies you want to work that are all free. And they go, yeah. I go, why don't you not pay me for two hours to rework your whole system, which I can do. Trust me, I can rework all that for two hours, which is $258. Or let's put you on Microsoft Exchange and put you in a happy place. And they go, you know what, let's just do Exchange. I go, yeah, you're a business. You should be doing that. And the, the nice thing is, Carrie, is I sold them on the right product. Right. Instead of selling them on three things that can break constantly, which I'll make more money on. And my exchange clients, I almost never hear from them when I'm done. And people are like, well, then you're losing money. Well, not really. I like doing exchange migrations better than reworking a Gmail calendar and iCloud this and a that and everything else, which is a full rework. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. When you're when you're doing these and you've got it done for a customer, yeah, uh, does a customer ever... Uh, call you for their administrative tasks. So we're, we're, we've let somebody go and we need them pulled off of our email server. Mm-hmm. And this other person's going on, going to be gone. They're on leave for a month and we want them, their account to be temporarily disabled. Do you get calls like that or are they pretty much taking care of themselves at that level? Um, I offer what's called a prepay support ticket after I help someone every time I pretty much offer it. And that gives them an option of getting support at a lower price. Or to do administrative duties. So let's pretend that a client hires me to do a migration of 10 people, which is a hefty bill, you know, two or $3,000. If they don't buy an aftercare ticket or a support ticket, then they are paying me $89 to make an administrative change. If they buy the ticket, they pay like 28 or $32. And so that's why at the end of doing those migrations, I sell the support tickets as a add-on bonus. They can save money. Now I don't have to do a ticket every time, get the credit card. I have pretty much formal booking appointment processes now, and they skip all that too. But yeah, I actually just picked up a new client, which is funny. They're a computer networking company, <laughs> and I'm their Office 365 administrator now. Hmm. Isn't that fun? I was really surprised when they called me. I was like, really? They're like, yeah, they just don't want to do the troubleshooting of the office stuff anymore. And I've taken four calls in two weeks from them. So I've already knocked out a couple hundred dollars what off kind their of, ticket. Are these typical calls? I'm curious what kind of calls are typical for you with regards to Office 365? Well, the one yesterday or two days ago that I thought was really cool was they all are using SharePoint in a 30-person environment. Okay. And one person could not open an Excel file. It said uh, your your office version is incompatible and a bunch of uh, strings. In fact, it's on my blog I just put out. I put a, I blog these errors sometimes to help out other techs. Let me go grab it. Um, anyway, of course, what do I do is I quickly research the error and I had to dig through a few forums and I found, aha, what happened is I looked in the client's control panel and they just had a bunch of updates done. Okay, you think that would fix it. So I did a restore. Didn't fix it. Okay, then I looked in a couple more forums and I built up my own projection of what I think it is. And they actually had two versions of Office 365 on there. One was the old pro version from last year. One was this year. And the OneDrive was actually causing the conflict. So I uninstalled OneDrive, rebooted. It worked. You uninstalled OneDrive from the from, from the, the Office server yep. or from their computers? From their computer because they weren't using it anyway because they use SharePoint. Right. So there you go. But then she emails me today and says it's still broken. And why do you think that is? Because the she updates. probably got the updates overnight. Yep. And Carrie, we all know updates ruin stuff. So anyway, I said to her, 
I emailed her and said, did those updates come in last night? And I didn't hear back from her. So I'm going to guess that she uninstalled the updates. And because I already uninstalled the OneDrive, it probably worked again. I'm just guessing. But aren't the updates going to come back down again? Well, they're actually, they have network administrators that run the updates so they can figure that out. You know, I don't, I don't manage their servers for them. Okay. But, but well, basically, they're network people, so that, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they run their own stuff, but they just, they've been sending me work like crazy. And I'm just so happy because this is what I thrive on is this day to day help desk stuff that I can just jump in, jump out. It reminds me of the old corporate days. But see, outside of that awesome job is I get my day to day break fix stuff that I just get just random stuff. Like I, I actually have a post on my website called, stuff people call me in about and it's crazy i just see everything well what i'm starting to see is people complaining about how do they get rid of this windows 10 icon on their (laughs) taskbar yeah i blogged that out and that is that is microsoft doing adware i mean that is it kind of is that is a pup that is a potentially unwanted program (laughs) and it's not and and here's what i don't understand about it Microsoft, it's not like we've got to have some food. We need to have enough food. We need to know how many oh, people are coming. they're starving. Right? <laughs> they're starving. The idea, the <laughs> idea of reserving a piece of software, to me, would be like... Um, Get the buffet line early. It's all you can eat is. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to wait an hour in line for the buffet. You know, that's funny because people do that on cruise ships. They'll wait for, you know, they'll have a, a dinner. There'll be usually two dinners, one at like five and one at seven. Okay. And at four o'clock, they'll start. You're at sea. Okay. <laughs> There's a place to go. There's things yeah. to do on the boat, but you, you're not getting off the boat. Nobody's going anywhere. The same number yeah. of people that were on the boat an hour ago are still the same number of people on the boat right now. And they will <laughs> line up at four o'clock <laughs> for those doors to open for the restaurant to get seated. We're all eating pretty much at the same time. You know, yeah. if you were booked at the five o'clock dinner, there will be a table for you, even if you show up 20 minutes late. <laughs> so I don't understand. You're going to get the food. You're going to get the food. So, so Microsoft doesn't have this problem. Microsoft, Microsoft, it's not even a Xerox machine where somebody has to hit a copy button. It's all automated. And yeah. it's not like they need, it's not tailored to suit you individually. You're getting the exact same thing as everybody else. There's no reason to need to reserve it. This is Microsoft marketing putting adware on their own customers' computers, yeah. which I think is very disrespectful. It's a huge insult. It's like buying a car from me and then me putting a great big sticker of the name of my dealership across the side of it <laughs> and my not taking a discount. That. <laughs> Not taking a discount off the car. Oh, listen, when I go buy a car, and you see it all the time here in Phoenix, they have these little decals they put over by the trunk somewhere in the back of the they car. They do it here too, Carrie. And I go, you're not putting one of those on my car. And if the car already has it, the first thing I do when I get it home is I take a hair dryer and I heat that label up and I the vinyl and I peel it off. Because if you wait, if you put it off, especially here in Arizona, it, the, the <gasps> sun... It. Well, no, the sun fades your paint over time. But the paint underneath the sticker won't be faded. So when you pull the stickers off, you effectively have the name of the dealership put right into the paint of the car. Burned in. Yeah. Now, Uh, how was that not vandalism? How was that not graffiti? And and yet, I gave them my money. I'm their customer. I'm not their adversary. So when companies like Microsoft, who get paid a lot of money from their consumers, then use their consumers as a means to advertise, it is... Uh, it's angering to me and it's, these are the steps and Mark that I said this, these are the missteps of a company that, that will go the way of IBM. IBM made a lot of missteps, little ones at first. And 
you know, when do you ever hear about IBM anymore in the news? Very rarely. Yeah. Uh, or Honeywell. You very rarely hear about Honeywell anymore. These companies made some errors in their, if they were the small companies struggling, they wouldn't be playing these games. I can tell you that much. And the, and this is what's going to open up Microsoft's, uh, own worst enemy, which is going to be an alternative operating system from somebody like Google or some other deep pocket, uh, tech company that won't do that to their customers at first. <laughs> it seems like they at all first. eventually get there. Wait till Linux does it. Well, if Linux hasn't done it by now, if Linux hasn't done it by now, no, they won't. But you know, every time you hear about Linux starting to move up in the game, there's always somebody that's like, "Oh, don't sell out!" And I'm like, "Hey, if it's better, sell out." Well, Red Hat, Red Hat, get up there. It didn't really work out very well for Red Hat, but I would say that um, (laughs) uh, Google is going to be one of the major competitors. And now with Kickstarter and GoFundMe, there might be some ex-employees of the operating system manufacturers who know how to code, who know how to create file systems and know a better way to do it without dealing with management in the red tape and the bureaucracy that comes along with a company that's owned by shareholders. You know, there's a great, I don't know if you've seen it, but on HBO, there is a comedy series called Silicon Valley. I watch it all the time. I even watch the reruns just to laugh. I'll tell you what's funny is so much of it is true. If I have experienced so much of this myself in the industry and I was I was sitting down, I was telling my wife how this show really accurately portrays what really happens. You know, the nerds are like real people I know. They behave just like them. And as I was, just as this last show started, and I was saying this, I was sitting on the couch with a bag of chips. <laughs> and there were some chips, they were on sale at World Market. They're like, you know, kettle brand, maple bacon flavor. They're just bizarre. And I thought, I'll, I'll try something new. And I'm as I'm telling my wife about how accurate the show is the guy on the show has this same exact bag of chips on his desk <laughs> and it's nice. it's not like they're common like you'd see, like doritos everybody's got doritos this is a very strange manufacturer. yeah it's an off-brand and a strange maple bacon you know but as a nerd anything bacon flavor i've actually ate maple bacon chips too i think i was down in florida though well then you are a nerd yeah. that, I, I if there was ever any doubt i but, know i mean that to me is just that's the great, you know, Big Bang Theory is great, but yeah. That Silicon Valley just hits the mark on yeah. the funniest things Big Bang that Theory is I, exaggerated, which is funny. I, I, I seriously, I, and I keep up with the Palo Alto stuff a little bit, but I mean, it's serious. If you think, for those who haven't seen it, uh, I think, I don't know, it's on HBO On Demand, I guess. I just record it, but the first few episodes, I, I, I caught it in the second season. I went back to watch it all from scratch, so I knew everything. It is pretty good, but you know, here, let's round back up to the, uh, uh, Office 365 stuff here. Um, okay. So do you have any other final questions? I know we could talk for hours upon it because there's seriously so much that could be talked about, but I just want to make sure that the techs understand the two important things. And, and I'm open to taking emails from people and helping them. But a lot of times the stuff I tell people, they don't want to hear, you yeah. know? And, and so I encourage text to email me, Lisa, call that girl that biz. If you don't know what you're doing, hire me to help. I will step in and guide you. I will counsel coach you the best I can. I've done it for a few people now, but if you don't know what you're doing, you should not do it until you know how to do it. And, and I had to learn the hard way too. So take your time and do it right. But just remember it's a subscription model, Office 365. And sometimes it's better to purchase it to save your clients money. Um, 
the business side of it. And if you want to learn how to do exchange migrations, I had to learn the hard way years ago and I wrote a book about it and I'll have the links in the show notes for that. But you know, it's, it's a lot to learn if you want to get into it and if you want to get it and then it could be a whole new service for you. Seriously. Absolutely. And, and education, Absolutely. education does cost mm-hmm. money. You know, it does. It's not just college yeah. that costs money. Education costs money. How you get it, whether it's through the school of hard knocks, a, a mentor as you're offering yeah. to be basically, um, yeah. or, or a traditional school. And, uh, one way or another, the only other alternative is you're going to pay for it perhaps in losing confidence in a customer that you say, I'll, I'll take this job on. And then you have to figure it out as you go. And unless you have a very understanding customer, right. chances are that first impression you've lasted them. Well, you'll never be able to undo it. If, if it took you a month or you had to call somebody in after you gave up and they did it in two minutes as you struggled. Yeah. And I, I think we've all been there at some point. Yeah. But you have to learn somewhere. And my first client I remember I had with App River, I actually told them, look, I'm going to give you guys a killer deal on everything because you're my first client that's going full office 365. And they were like, cool. And I said, here's my struggling points. I've done exchange migrations. I got that down. I don't know SharePoint. I don't know OneDrive. And I was so excited to get into it that I took the SharePoint classes, learned nothing. I basically had to learn by failure. Mm-hmm. Trial by and fire. Yeah, trial by fire. And you know what? The the client uh, um, rep who was really excited too about this, him and I found so many struggles with Windows XP and they were all on XP. So I was like, basically, you can't do it. And the cloud version they didn't want. They wanted it all on their computers. So then back, this was before SharePoint had sync tools. So I had to map drives. It was just a headache. So, you know, I, I learned, I threw myself in there. And, and as I took on jobs, I started to learn the products, you know, what failed for me, what worked for me, what my clients need. Yep. And like you said in the beginning, would you sell someone if they didn't need it? No, I'm not going to do that to anybody. But if they're having struggles with technology, I am going to guide them to what I, 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 I will tell you. I, I think that you have a very strange passion. <laughs> I, I don't I don't see anything appealing about wanting to learn or knowing anything about Office 365 to the depth that you do. And I'm glad that you have that because I don't want no. it. I had that passion when wireless networking first came out and I convinced a customer of mine to buy the parts and I did all the configuration for free because I wanted to see yeah. how are they moving this much data? And I'm talking 802.11b. How are they moving this much data yeah. wirelessly through the air? And I, I went in late at night to the office. I set all this up and read the manuals and doing everything. And I take a laptop and I go out to the parking lot of the building and I check and my internet's working. So then I bring up a, a music site and stream music. Well, I'm standing in the middle of the parking lot working <laughs> with, with on a laptop that's being powered by a battery, getting Internet through wireless and is transmitting data fast enough to be playing music without any stutter or, or, or pausing. And, you know, just for grins, I opened up Skype and initiated a call while standing in the parking lot. And I just at that moment, it just blew my mind that that much data was successfully moving wirelessly and without any power connectors without any ethernet connectors. And I just, that was just a huge deal. I was so excited. And I sent the guy an email. I said, Hey, your wireless network is up and running. And that and I was just really excited. And he says, you know, I don't know what anything you wrote means, but whatever it cost me, it was worth it to see how, see how excited you were, you know, yeah. to, to hear that enthusiasm. And, um, you know, wireless network has come a long way since then. 
it's pretty exciting when you get to finally like have your moment where you're like, okay, I think I get what I'm actually doing. So now I can sell it better. And I think the, the trial by fire was important, but more trial by failure for me because a lot of clients back in the day wanted full office 365. So I would spend eight hours configuring all of the products for me to go, look, man, this SharePoint is just not for you. You need to go back to Dropbox. And they're like, good, let's go back. We hate it. So then I learned to stop selling SharePoint. But SharePoint is great for the right client. That's why you have to interview your clients before you jump in and go, yeah, I'm going to set your whole firm up on SharePoint. It's going to sync perfectly and you're going to love it. Uh Uh-uh. You ask the clients what they're already using. And here's the key. Does it work? And if they go yes, then go, let's not mess with what works. Yep. I agree. Because I'm not going to go spend five, six hours configuring everybody's SharePoint for it to not work. And then you get mad at me and I end up feeling guilty and not billing you. Uh Uh-uh. I've learned to say, oh, you're on Dropbox? Just stay there. Let's just put you on exchange. (laughs) I think think if there's two things people need to know is tax. And this happens in in the hardware world. Somebody will say to me, I've got $800. Can you recommend a computer for me? No. Well, why not? Because I don't know anything about you. I don't know if you want... uh, a small case that's got to be portable or something heavy or something that's that's quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much expandability you need. I don't know if you want a case window or lights or if it's going to be tucked in a corner. And we're just talking about the case. We haven't even gotten to any of the inner components yet. I need yeah. to know how you're going to use the computer today and how you plan on using it tomorrow. What are your plans? You plan on maybe adding another video card in the future or you know, and this questions go on. Generally, a consultation for a computer mm-hmm. build is a two to three hour process. It would be like saying, "I've got a thousand. I've got, I've got thirty thousand dollars." Sell me oh, a car. Carrie, sell me I a car. A, I sell okay. people a computer in 15 minutes. Seriously. That's if you're that's talking about a workstation. Mentality. If you're yeah. talking about a workstation, that's one thing. But, but even then, even on a workstation, though, even on a workstation, you know, is speed important to you? Because we probably want to put a solid state drive in there. But do you have a server? Because a solid state drive is probably not going to be big enough to hold yeah. all your data. And then, you know, what kind of applications are you running? If you're an accounting firm, I'm probably going to recommend an i7. Uh, if you're not, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? If and 16 gigs of RAM because you're crunching numbers, you're going to well, use that. But you're doing the thing is, is that your kind of work is different than what. But you but know. there's but it's common. They have a, a very common denominator yeah. here, and that is, yeah. I'm not going to sell you the computer that I want. And that's what happens when people go online and they go, yeah. I've got eight hundred dollars. What parts did I buy? And they don't ask the person, How are you going to use it? What games do you play? Or maybe you don't play games at all. They just tell them you should buy these parts without asking them anything about how the computer is going to be used. So what they're telling them is what's right for them, not what's right for the person asking. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why and I so kind of the why, same interview though. That's what I'm Office saying. 365. And the right. point is, is I do mine in 15 minutes or less. So if you, here's what this guy said to me, like just what you said about the computer purchasing that you need to spend time getting to know them. One of my friends actually said, well, I'm going to go in and do a demo. And if he's listening, I'm not making fun of him, but I'm like demo. Why are you doing a demo? And he's like, well, I want to show them how it all works. And I go, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't do demos. I don't yeah, do demos a, a of it at all. Because I've got sales technique. I mean, it's a it is, sales technique. But it's only, you know, for me to do a 20 person migration, I still wouldn't do a demo. I, I don't know. I, and I don't do a lot of those, but I also don't market for that. But the point is, is I just got just how I do it is bing, bing, bing scheduled. But other techs might have to do a demo. They might have to do what you do with computer purchases is find out more and all that stuff. But I don't know. You are basically 
uh, doing what I'm what I'm doing, which is you find out what the customer's needs are first. Yes. You don't take what you already know, what you already like, what you already have. I, I know Office 365 and I make a good commission on it and I know it like the back of my hand. So I'm going to make it fit to their needs. No, I think that's wrong. I think you find out what their needs are and you put in the appropriate product. That's what I do. Yeah. And it's no different. It's no different. Your your pitch. Look, it's no different. We'll go back to the car. I got $30,000. Can you recommend a car for me? Well, do you need a four wheel drive or a pickup truck or do you need a minivan? Maybe you need a sports car. Do you want an SUV or are you looking for something that it's good, good gas mileage? You need two doors, four doors. Maybe you need a truck with four doors. I don't know. Do you, do you, you know, you want a sporty little car, convertible? The questions go on and on and on. What about the color? What about spoilers and stereo Carrie, yeah, and navigation? Carrie, Carrie, the point I think is for me to help with the text on this is people are probably going to be calling text because they have a problem with, for most part, other stuff. They are calling you to fix something. And this is a sales opportunity for the techs who want to get to know it to go. Well, I could spend three to four hours fixing your iCloud that's not working and your Gmail IMAP that's not syncing and your iPhone that won't check the calendar. Or let's just put all your data into an exchange and put you on a right product. That's what I tell people. That's what right. I sell. Right. I don't, and, I don't do and all I'm trying, that stuff. All, all I'm trying to do with my, I'm being wordy about it. I wish I could be more concise. Well, I know, but I'm just but saying there that are, a lot there of are sales do people. That. Right. That's what I'm saying. There are sales people who sell you what they have. Right. So you go to that car lot and the guy says, let me show you what I have on the lot. And then they try and sell that. They try and manipulate that to fit you instead of finding out from you what fits you and then finding the thing that fits you. Make, you know what I'm saying? Well, they each want tech the, has to come up with their own pitch. And the thing is, if they want to do a demo and show the the glorious, you know, a full Office 35 experience, they can do that, and that's going to be how they do it. Right. Yeah. I'm just telling people you don't have to do a demo. You can get down where if you're an intake or outtake person, you know, if you're people are coming to you, or do you have to outbound cold call? So there's that's the other difference. There's the there's the two things I just wanted to say. The first one, as a tech, is you listen to your customers' needs. Yes. You find solutions to those needs. You don't take prefabbed solutions and make them fit your customers. In oh, my you can. in my opinion. In my <laughs> you opinion. Can, but that's when people start calling me because you're not doing the aftercare stuff. And I've had the, I've had the bandits calls. There's there's the second part. And the second yeah. part is new. The second part didn't exist 20 years ago. And the second part is a lot of people seem to think they've got to know all the answers, but you don't. This isn't 1975 or 1985 anymore, or for that matter, even 1995 anymore. You don't need to know the answers, but you do need to know how to find the answers. That's the difference. And today, you know, look, back in the day before the Internet, if you didn't know something, you had to find somebody who did. Now, all you have to have is the motivation and the intelligence to seek that information out through your keyboard, because anything you could probably want to know is already been published and is available if you put the effort into it. Well, researching, here's here's something I've learned from experience is I spent hours trying to figure out how to add a shared public calendar on an iPhone. And guess what, Carrie? You can't do it. But I bet it's, you there's a, there's a link out there. I'll just finish. Let me let finish. Let me finish. Let me wait, finish first. Wait, you're, you're, you're assuming <laughs> I'm going to say something I'm, I'm not going to say. I'm not, I'm not worried about what you're asking, though, because I'm going to tell you what the answer of what I'm I did saying was. Somebody has posted a message somewhere <laughs> saying it can't be done so that you, you didn't have to reinvent that wheel. No, actually, I did enough research and testing outside of the forums and stuff because I, 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 I know the iPhone pretty well. I mean, I'm kind of an iPhone exchange person, you know? 
uh, and I did a lot of testing with apps and everything else. And I said to my client, it can't be done. But the simple answer I found, which was right in front of me, was add a whole new mailbox for the team to share individually. Hello? That was the answer. Not quite sure I understand that. Okay, so let's say you've got five people on an exchange team, you know, Uh and they all want to share a calendar, but they all have iPhones and iPads, so they can't share those public calendars, which is an exchange like folder sharing option. Okay. So you create a sixth person on the team called Shared Calendar. That's their mailbox name. Then everybody goes to their iPads and adds that account in, and then everybody can share it. That to me. But does that mean you have to put all your information in twice, once on your main account and once on the show? Yeah, you have to add the second account once, but then you have access for five people to look at one calendar. Right. But what I'm saying is, is if I put something on my calendar, do I have to put it on my calendar and on the shared calendar? Well, the shared calendar is usually used for days off requests, conference room scheduling, um, you know, the water guys coming that day, you know, team things that teams need to know. Uh, It's not for personal. I'll see now with accountants, which are my bread and butter. They've got each calendar set up for when their clients are coming in for appointments and they need to know. The secretary needs to know when, if somebody calls and says, I need an appointment with uh, Judy, then they go, okay, let me see Judy's availability. Well, Judy or whoever is doing the appointment setting could use the, the calendar that's shared by everybody for client bookings too. The, the, the needs for it are endless. Okay. But but what I'm asking you is, uh, okay. So let's see. So let's say, they put that on the shared calendar. Yeah. Does it automatically go on to Judy's account or does it only, no. is Judy only going to see that? If she looks at the shared calendar. At the shared. So she's got two separate calendars that are not communicating with each other. Well, they will. Like if you're on your iPhone and you've got both calendars checked, you'll see both calendars. But they'll have uh, different information. One yeah, will say Monday at three o'clock, her- you've got nothing. And one will say Monday at three o'clock, you've got Dr. Smith coming in. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's their business. That's really confusing. But Carrie, that's their business, how they want to manage it. But uh, that's what the solution was, and they loved it. The point is, is that I did not say no to these clients. I said, you know what? I've never had anybody ask me that, so let me go figure yeah. it out. No, I'll figure, I yeah. spent a couple hours messing with stuff on my iPhone, going through my own exchange for me to go, this ain't going to happen. Then I read the one form where the guy said, hey, just add a new mailbox. I went, oh, my God, winning. And the clients were happy, and and that's now, I made a video for it even. I've got like, I think 1,500 views on YouTube on it. It's my top video, if you can believe that. I can understand how that can work. People are looking at how to add, what's that? I I understand how that can solve the problem for some companies, but I can also see how it wouldn't solve the problem for others, like in the example I just gave. You know, it's well, almost you better care, to. You, I think you could argue with me on everything with those things, <laughs> but I'm just telling you the story of how. Back to you, don't say no. Let me find a solution for you. Right. And then, as a good tech, you can, if you're interested. If you're not interested, you shouldn't even do the job. But if you're like, you know what, I'll go look that up. There's millions of forums with answers now, and the point is, is if you Google enough and you look enough and you test enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah, we had, no. a, I had a, I had a problem to deal with with a client where when they were adding things to their calendar, it was shifting the time. There was a time zone issue that somebody's mm-hmm. calendar somewhere in the chain, their operating system yeah. apparently was set to a different time zone. And so when they put something in at one o'clock, it would show up at three o'clock. Oh, yeah. That's always common with teams that work nationally. Oh, Someone always what a it. nightmare that was. <laughs> I think we ended up... Um, <laughs> Having the company that did the hosted hosted exchange 
put us on a different server because the, oh we because it was their server that was doing it. It wasn't anything on. I mean, we checked every iPhone, every tablet, every PC, every laptop, made sure all the time zones were set, not only on each individual uh, machine, but also when you logged into the site, there's also a time zone setting. So mm -hmm. for each account, we made sure we did all those checks. And it still was, so they were just manually in their heads going, okay, if it's at three o'clock, I know I got to be there at one o'clock. I'm like, no, no, this is not acceptable. And uh, shared calendars, uh, that's always been a. Well, that's a, also a corporate exchange environment. That's different than exchange online. The, the exchange online I'm talking about is small, you know, I mean, large businesses use it too, but I only deal with like companies under 20 people. Mm -hmm. No, this company, this company had five client. employees. Yeah, then, yeah, the server was probably, well, if you, if they would have taken it to the company managing it, they would have rebuilt the server because that was their only choice. Well, they they wouldn't rebuild the server because they had other clients on it. Oh, I don't want to get into it. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't argue everything. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's not an argument. These are real no, situations I've been in. I'm just sharing the stories with you. That's yeah. all. I would, well, I would thing, like a solution always, that just simply worked without there, there all is not carry. And if there was, we wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> I love complex problems because that brings me work. Yeah, that's that's fair. But you know, the best thing <laughs> it that brings me said, a lot of work, Carrie. But the and best the stuff thing that I you fix. the best thing that you said through through this whole conversation that I think is is really the take home is that when you set up Office three sixty five for a client, you very rarely hear back from them again. That. That is the magic bullet there because, you know, it's like when I build a computer for a client, I very rarely ever hear for those clients for many, many years. Yeah. Because they work. And so I jokingly will say, I better stop making them this good. I'm going to run out of work. But the fact of the matter is there's lots of people out there that need computers and I don't need to, you know, to generate work. Yeah. It, it, it just, there's enough out there to keep me busy and oh, yeah. building new clients, uh, taking on new clients with new machines. And it's well, wonderful when that. they say, hey, it's been eight years that you built this computer for me, and I guess I need an upgrade now. Do you remember me? I have no idea who you are. I do not remember you. <laughs> and well, that's Things the, don't break if you company. do it right, but they do break. But the thing is, I do get calls from people with exchange sometimes, but, you know, it's easy to tell them, reboot. Oh, okay, it's working again. Oh, yeah, I was offline. Oh, it's just little snaggy stuff. But otherwise, it works like a charm. I was going to just read to you an email I just got from somebody, and... Here's their problem, and this is typical of what I get. These are my requests. I cannot create groups in Outlook 2003 now that iCloud has hijacked my information. I can create the groups on the web app, but still cannot email to them through Outlook. That is the stuff I get. Mm. See, they already have four technologies, and I'm going to guess the iPhone's included. So you see what I mean? This yeah. is a random person emailing me for help. I just got while well, we've... And on the phone. This is stuff other techs could be getting. So if you, I'm going to close this show by saying this. If you're interested in Office 365, I know my shows, uh, we talk about it a lot, but I recommend just diving in. I do have my Outlook videos coming, which I swear to God they are coming. <laughs> it's, it's been, oh my God, every time I get so far, I have to step back because there's a new change. But I am doing an Office 365 segment on basics and it's going to be all on my computer so you can actually see stuff. And, um, my Microsoft Exchange ebook, you can get at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. It's, uh, it's a good step by step guide on how to do a migration. Um, and then marketing. How to market to your clients this stuff and how to get them interested. That's going to be huge. I have for to say, folks. I'm going to jump in here just right now and say this. I think what you're doing is wonderful that you're, you're so eager and willing to share what you know with the world. 
let's face it, when you're putting up videos on YouTube, those are going equally to everybody around the world. And, um, you know, there's, I've talked in the video about the tech podcast where you've got guys like, uh, Jeffrey Hallish and Mike Smith and, and, uh, Matthew Rodella and, and, and Bryce Whitty. Um, but you, you might say we all kind of cover the same sort of, you know, hardware operating system type stuff. Uh, for you to take it and kind of take a branch off of that and to have a niche, a very vertical niche into Office 365, not too many people do that. Uh, I know Onforce would do that when they, um, the Force Field podcast was doing that initially mm. because of the Onforce uh, marketplace, which they each have gone their own separate ways and it's you know evolved into some the podcast has evolved into uh things yeah uh, besides on force uh, but that's an example of a, of a very select niche of listener and many people um won't do what you're doing because they look at the numbers and they go well uh there's only so many office 365 users versus how many windows users it makes more sense to talk about windows so i'm so glad that you're doing it i think that you know mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a it's a great service oh. to the community and i hope people appreciate the value of the knowledge that you're sharing and on behalf of the community i want to say thank you because well i haven't needed <laughs> your videos yet i know very soon i will be needing them yeah, you know what the videos, here's the, here's the point of them is a lot of the Office 365 work I do. And like that guy that just emailed me comes from, you gotta know Outlook. And a lot of techs just don't put the time in to, to know it better. And that's the bread and butter of Office 365. I guarantee it. If you know Outlook, you can sell the crap out of this other stuff. Then you can troubleshoot it. You can start marketing it. And people that aren't jumping in and taking advantage of it, you're going to get left behind in a few years when that's, it and it's only going to get it more yeah i gotta tell Seriously. you uh, it, just a real quick side uh customer called me they've got uh, outlook 2007 windows 7. it's been working fine years and years the you know we've got exchange server and they're your clients right carrie yeah they're my <laughs> yeah. clients they're my clients everything's running great <laughs> everything's running great <laughs> nothing to listen it's working right okay. don't break it so they call me up and say outlook won't won't open anymore it's just crashing and I noticed the only thing that's updated on the computer is TeamViewer. And I use TeamViewer for remote access. Yeah. And TeamViewer, the latest version, now has an anti-spyware thing built into it, which I thought was a horrible idea when they did this. Oh, well, there's an Outlook add-in that gets added when you install TeamViewer. I've seen that add-in. And you've mm -hmm. got to disable that add-in through TeamViewer. I guess you can do it through Outlook, too. Outlook. Um, but this was causing... So th this, I'm sure, would have happened in Office 365. I'm sure it would have happened uh, because it's TeamViewer. But you'd think it was an Outlook problem. So I'm sitting yeah. there scratching my head trying to figure out why is an Outlook opening on this computer, but it opens on the other one in the next office, and they're identical computers, identical hardware, identical software. But yeah. that one on the right got the TeamViewer update. The one on the left did not yet get it. And I finally figured out it was TeamViewer. And let me tell you, <laughs> diagnosing the remote access software remotely <laughs> is a challenge you almost need another remote exactly. access software. well i i use another one of course i use log me and rescue uh -huh. but um i'll just give a, t a final tip and then i'm gonna close the show the final tip is if outlook is causing you problems first thing you should do is go disable all the add-ins except for what they need which the ones that they need the most are exchange if they're using exchange they need icloud if they're using icloud they need itunes if they're using itunes you, f you go through the list and you turn off what they don't need and that solves a lot of outlook problems 
being slow to load, uh, causing glitches, just whatever. And, and I actually do an optimizing every call I do now. I go jump in and take care of all the crap that isn't going to cause me downtime later. Right. So done and done. All right, Carrie, good stories. Hey, it was fun. And, and you know, maybe, just maybe, I might have learned a little <laughs> something. Uh, you know what? We can have you back on. You can relearn. Just, <laughs> it never ends. But thank you for coming. And, hey, thanks uh, again for having me. I'm looking I, forward to seeing you. So. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Sorry if I seemed a little stressed out today. I think I had one of the crappiest days today that I've had in a long time. And, of course, I was cooking down to the last minute before the show started. And I'm like going, I don't even get a break today at all. And it, everybody has those days where it just things don't go right. And you're like this and that. And I was still, I actually, I'm still remoted into four computers right now. Well, you know, it sounds like you're not bored. No. I'm and not. I've always said, as long as I'm busy, it keeps me out of jail. Well, <laughs> I don't think, I live in Iowa now, and it would be real easy for me to go to jail. <laughs> I think with with the lifestyle that I used to have, I could be in jail quick. But See, this I'm is why uh, work is good for you. It's good for the soul. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's this funny thing is, is everybody remembers last year, Carrie, I was going to go, I went to Florida for my little sabbatical, right? Mm-hmm. This year, I'm going to Vegas. I don't know why you say Florida. You were really in Key West. If I was you, I'd be. Yeah. I went to Key West. I know. But you know what? I didn't really do the Key West experience. The bridges freaked me out. And but hey, on, I, I, you I were had a on, good time. Wait a minute. You were, you were living <laughs> on Key West. Actually, I was in Marathon, which is about an hour north. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you, were, I mean, but you did go to Key West. Yeah. No, yeah. I never went to Key West. No, no I've you been didn't? there, though. No, but I've been there oh. many times. I ended up just planting in Marathon, and then halfway through, I had to go up to Inland. I stayed in Miramar, Florida, where I, I stayed with this lovely couple that I met in Mar- in uh, Marathon, and they were awesome. I mean, I actually live next door to a L.A. Dodgers baseball player. Hmm. So I got a little, you know, little blingy neighbor with all the fancy stuff. But um, this year, I'm going to Vegas for my winter snowbird break. And I have a house now in Iowa, so I'm thinking because I have to come back more. And with Vegas being so close to fly and so cheap versus the Keys, I was like, I think I'm going to kind of try to make my studio here at home into my little, like, when I come home, I can work on my projects. Like, you do your videos, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I have my books I've written and my blog series I do. you got to have it somewhere. I was like, hey, I got a pretty nice studio set up now. I'm not telling that to Vegas. No. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. I hauled everything last time to Florida, and it ain't happening again. When I did the radio show, I had to haul a bunch of equipment to Vegas oh. for, for Comdex and for uh, 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 the DEF CON and for um, uh, what's the other not one now? It. I can't think of it. There was North American Broadcasters that goes on in Car- Vegas. Carry Car- Con? <laughs> uh, the, the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. Oh. That's the one I couldn't think of. <laughs> oh. And then that's the worst time to be in Vegas right there. Is there's 250,000 people jammed you know what? into four I'm, hotels. I'm driving down there again this year, but it's literally going to be me, two suitcases, and my CPAP machine. Literally. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. Because I'm like, I ain't, I'll just buy what I need down there. Yeah, well, there's certainly plenty for sale. <laughs> uh, being in Phoenix, you know, it's a four and a half hour drive. I've done Vegas more times. Oh, it's yeah. it's almost more annoying. I'm I'm actually for five hours drive. I'm in San Diego on the beach. So yeah. um, I got yeah. lots of friends in California. They want me to come out there. So it'll be a different vacation for me. But Carrie, thank you for coming. I'm gonna hey, close the show. Again. 
This has been a PodNuts production, audio supported by Mitch Hammond. Thanks again to our sponsor, App River, and be sure to check out our other PodNuts podcasts, PodNuts Daily, Android Apps, Addicts, Linux for the Rest of Us, and The Geeksters. If you have a story you want to share or be a guest on the show, be sure to contact me, Lisa, callthatgirl.biz. Check out my other shows on YouTube slash callthatgirl, uh, podnuts.com slash ctg. I'm on social media everywhere. Where am I not, Carrie? Um, hmm. Hmm. I think I'm everywhere. I don't think you're in the men's room. <laughs> I'm not there. Not right now. But I haven't checked. But, uh, and of course, if you go to carryholzman.com, that's, that's right. just going to take you right to my YouTube channel. Oh, my God. You know, and Carrie pumps out a video about every other day. I, no. It's, I'm getting It might a be lot every other there. day, and then it might be six weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do take your breaks. But I've been watching them a lot more, and even though I'm not a gaming, you know, it's not person, all about gaming. No, but I, I listen until I personally am like, eh, I'm not into the game or I'm not into this, but I've been checking them out. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just I did one on, on LED light bulbs and USB chargers. So. And, and sometimes you're just entertaining to watch. Well, that's at least if there's nothing else, <laughs> if there's nothing else I got going for me, I hope, I hope I'm at least entertaining. I watch it during my work day. I chuckle and I get out of there. You know, if you, if you at least can't laugh with me, you can laugh at me. But F them. <laughs> All right, folks, and don't forget to sign up for CompTIA. We will see you in Chicago. Thank you, Carrie. That'll be this this week. Bye-bye.